Welcome back to Parked Car Convos. I'm Maddie Mitchell and I'm your host today and always because, well, quite frankly, this is literally my podcast, so who else is going to host it? Happy freaking Friday. What? Friday? Maddie, do you have your days mixed up? I actually don't. Thank you so much for asking. This is a bonus episode and if you couldn't tell by the title, this episode is for the Swifties and for the Swifties only or for those prospective Swifties, for anyone interested really, but it is going to be a Taylor Swift focused episode, which is great. This is a great way to start my morning um, recording this episode because I'm talking about one of my favorite topics ever, which is Miss Taylor Allison Swift. I'm elated. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while. uh, And then people had, people have been DMing me for a while asking me to talk about my Eras tour experience. And then when 1989 and speak now Taylor's version came out, people were asking for my thoughts on that, but I didn't, I knew that if I started talking about it, I would just go on and on and on. So I was like, I need to save this to have it be its own kind of thing. And then I also had asked you guys on the podcast, Instagram, which you should be following by now. Obviously it's at parkedcarcombos.pod. It's linked in the show notes for your Taylor Swift related questions that you wanted me to answer. So I'm really excited to dive in. We're going to skip peak and Valley of the week since it is in fact the same week uh and traffic well actually we will touch on traffic report which will be all things taylor and travis but we'll get to that in a bit i want to start by talking about my errors tour experience and then we can go into speak now in 1989 taylor's version and then we'll get into the questions that you guys asked how does that sound great okay awesome so i went to the errors tour I was obviously uh, at one of the shows that was the first leg of what is now like the world's longest tour ever. Uh, I saw her in Foxborough, Massachusetts at Gillette Stadium. I saw her on night two and it was literally the best experience of my life. So to start from the beginning, last November, this time last year when tickets came out and it was like pre-sale and all of that, I was like everyone else, in the trenches, really, really tried and truly in the trenches. My best friend and I were looking for tickets and she had signed up for a Capital One credit card so that she could qualify for that pre-sale. And I had actually gotten an email that I was selected as a verified fan for the verified fan pre-sale. So we both had an in in each of the pre-sales and yet we could not get tickets for the life of us like so many other people. And it was so annoying because both of us, I think, had gotten through the queue. Like we had gone through the entire process. We'd gotten in. And then either, I think when my friend got in, there was no tickets left at all. So it was like, okay, why are you letting people in anyways? That's stupid. But when I had gotten in, it showed tickets. And then by the time I clicked on them, they were sold out, which was so fun. So that was excruciating. It truly was. I was devastated. I mean, it was one of those things where I I hate circumstances like that. I hate situations like that, where it's like, I know I'm going to get there. Like, I know I'm going to be at the concert. Like, I wasn't really worried about it, but it's just like everything about it is so stressful and everyone's talking about it and everyone's talking about how like impossible it is. Like that really stresses me out. So then I kind of just put it out of my mind, honestly, because this was back in, like I said, November. She wasn't coming to Gillette until May. So I had time to kind of figure shit out. And I was just kind of like, okay, there's literally nothing I can do about it now. Because then right when the actual tickets went on sale and it wasn't like pre-sale anymore, they were literally like being bought and resold for $5,000, which is so, it's so messed up and it's so insane. But 
I, like I said, kind of put it out of my mind. And then I, when I booked my trip that I went on in the spring, I had kind of been like playing around with the days that I could go because when I was booking an Airbnb, I was like, it doesn't have to be like a hard and fast, like this day to this day. So I was playing around with it. And at one point I had, I had one that was plugged in that was going to be until like the end of May. And I was like, oh wait, now I can't do that because I have to be home in May for the Taylor concert. And like, I fully was planning my life around this. Like I knew that I was going to end up going, but I had no prospect at all literally none. Uh, but that didn't stop me. And then I vividly remember when her tour started in, was it March or April? It was March. It must've been March. When it started in March and I, then it sent me into a spiral because actually seeing it on like social media, I was like, oh, this is, it's just amplified my need to be there even more. And I, again, I had no, like I was literally unemployed. Like there was no way I was going to be able to swing $5,000 for tickets, which to clarify, I never would have spent that much money on tickets anyways. But I actually have like a very vivid memory of me sitting on the floor of my Airbnb in Charleston. And I made a TikTok where I said, I have no idea how I'm going to get tickets. But like I, that has not stopped me from fully believing that I will be at the Ares tour at Gillette Stadium, like looking forward to it. See you there. Like I made this whole TikTok about it. And then Fast forward to May, I'm home. She wasn't performing until like May 19th, 20th, 18th, 19th, 20th, something like that. Um, I got home like the first week in May and like a week and a half before she was going to be here, it was like a random Tuesday. I was in my room. I vividly remember this because I do think that God was shining down on me in this moment. I was in my room and I had just pulled out my laptop and I was about to like go sit at my kitchen table and start applying for jobs for for the day like I would do every day. And I would always leave my phone in my room so that I like wasn't distracted because otherwise I would just spend the whole time on my phone. So I grabbed my laptop, left my phone in my room. By the time I make it to my kitchen table, I get a text and thank God for Apple watches. Okay. So the text pops up on my Apple watch and it's from this random number, but I see that it says like verified fan, whatever. So I sprint back to my room to get my phone to see what this text is. I open it up. I see like Taylor Swift, Gillette Stadium. I click on the link. Mind you, this text is literally so unlegitimate. Like it does not look for real at all in hindsight, but I could not be bothered to care. So I click on the link literally without giving it a second thought. I was able to pick which day I wanted to go. And within like 90 seconds, I had tickets to Taylor Swift and it was legitimately the best day of my life. It was so insane. I had no idea. Apparently they had done that for a few shows. And essentially what it was, was people that um, were part of the verified fan presale, but didn't get tickets. They like offered a second wave of tickets to them like a week and a half before some shows. And so luckily because I was chosen as part of that presale, I was able to get tickets and they were super reasonably priced. Like they were the original ticket prices. And I just picked two tickets by random and purchased them like immediately. And it was the easiest process ever. And then I was like, holy shit, thank God I saw that text right away. Cause that would have been like, if I had waited five minutes, I probably wouldn't have gotten tickets. So that was genuinely the best morning of my life. 
and I was elated. I finally, I finally purchased the outfit that I had been planning for months, for months ahead, which is so fun. Cause like when else in my life am I going to wear sequin pants? Truly who's to say. Uh, and then unfortunately my friend that I had originally been trying to get tickets with, she couldn't make it cause she doesn't, we don't live in the same state, but, uh, she couldn't, couldn't swing it with her work schedule and everything to come home on such short notice. And all of my other friends that like Taylor Swift were also going to Gillette night too. So they had already had tickets and plans to go that night. So I ended up taking my mom, which was so fun because she, she liked Taylor before, uh, but now she's certified Swifty and it was just like the, uh, it was literally one of the best nights ever. So the days leading up to the show, we're looking at the weather forecast and it says, you know, she was performing at Gillette Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday night and Friday night looks great. Sunday looked great. Saturday raining all day, literally all day. You click on the hourly forecast. Oh, it's raining literally all day, which is awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I was kind of like, no, it's going to be fine. Like it's going to be fine. We don't, it's, it's totally, we'll make it work. And, and I knew that I knew it would be fine regardless, but it's like, you don't want to have to deal with that. Also, it was only May and May in New England is not hot at all. So it wasn't like it was going to be this like nice warm temperature outside plus rain. It was, it was kind of chilly. So leading up to it, I remember seeing all these TikToks of people being like, okay, so girlies who are going to night two at Gillette, we're not wearing our cute outfits anymore, right? We're wearing like ponchos and the whole nine. And I remember thinking, absolutely not. I unfortunately am absolutely going to continue to wear my my literal white see-through sequin pants. See-through by design, by the way. Not not unintentionally. They are intentionally see-through. Okay. I I really can't explain this well, but that's they looked cute and that's how they were supposed to be. And then I wore a pink tulle ruffle halter top, of course. Super, super weather appropriate, as you can imagine. And so I remember seeing those TikToks of people saying that they weren't going to wear their cute outfits. And I was like, literally, when else am I going to wear this outfit? Like, I have to wear it. I'm absolutely going to wear it. But I did order ponchos for me and my mom on Amazon like two nights before because it was looking like it was going to it was going to get dicey. And I, I got these like really actually they were really nice quality ponchos that were also super long and Thank God we had those ones because I saw people that had, if you've ever seen like a, those like really, really cheap ponchos that are like super thin and they like aren't even really long sleeve. They just kind of cover like your torso area and like your shoulders. They're super ineffective when you think about it, but a lot of people were wearing those and they were not faring well, unfortunately, but we get to the concert and we had parked across the street from the stadium and there were some people tailgating that had like set up tents and everything, which was so brave of them because we were in this like this lot that was just grass and it was the muddiest. It was just like a mud pit. It was not, it was not cute. Uh, so my mom and I ended up sitting in the car. We had like brought snacks and everything to tailgate, but we sat in the car cause it was obviously pouring rain outside. And then my mom's car roof started leaking, which was... <laughs> which was really fun. It just kind of like added to the experience. And we ended up walking over not too early because I wasn't obsessed with like getting merch or anything because especially in the rain, like that's just like, that's not worth it to me. 
So we ended up walking over to the stadium and I remember because the walk wasn't it really wasn't that far. But uh, when we were walking over, the rain had actually kind of let up for a little bit. So we were like, OK, this is great. Like, it's not bad. Uh, we still had our ponchos on and we had umbrellas and everything. But obviously you can't bring umbrellas into the stadium. So you go you walk it. You walk into the stadium. There's just trash cans full of umbrellas, which is actually so sad and so wasteful. I hope they did something with those because that's really such a such a huge waste but then we get into the stadium it was it wasn't it really wasn't that bad at this point in time drizzling a little bit but nothing bad we get to our seats now I like I need you to understand how insane all of this was because we get to our seats so we were in like the lowest level of the bowl if that makes sense so we weren't on floor but we were on like the next level up and in that in that section that we were in, we were in one of like the further rows back. Okay. Because we were in one of the furthest rows back in our section, we were covered fully by the balcony section that was above us, which is actually so insane because when I bought the tickets, I didn't even really, I looked to make sure that they would be, you know, decent in terms of actually being able to see the stage and everything but I didn't have like time to actually look at where the seats were you know what I mean so I just clicked them at random throughout the entire concert we are fully covered from the rain like it was so insane we got we really really lucked out with that which is like I I feel like so many people there probably fully developed like hypothermia and like trench foot and I really can't complain because I did not get what the entire show which is insane so then we, like I said, found our seats. We took pictures. I was, in case you haven't guessed it, dressed as the lover era. I had pink sparkly nails. I was wearing um, these little rhinestones in my hair. I had rhinestones in my makeup. It was uh, it was such a dream, except the poncho did kind of ruin it. I'm not going to lie. And then um, we got drinks. They had a lavender haze drink at the stadium, and it was, um, it was not lavender. It was it was like electric blue for some reason. And it actually did taste like battery acid, but I had to get it kind of just in the spirit of things. And then we got food and we waited for the show to start. Our openers were Gail and Phoebe Bridgers, which was insane. And that also meant that Phoebe Bridgers performed nothing new with Taylor Swift, which was literally life-changing. I love that song so much. And I had kind of, I don't know why, it like didn't really cross my mind that they would sing it together. I hadn't really seen any clips of that on TikTok. So I, even though I knew Phoebe was opening, I didn't really put together that she would be coming out to sing that song with Taylor. And that was like, oh, that was one of the best parts of the show by far. So then the show starts. It's obviously so surreal. It starts torrentially downpouring. I don't know, whatever you're picturing rain wise, I need you to multiply it. I really need you to, or if you have some time right now, go on TikTok and look up Eras Tour Gillette Night 2. It was torrentially downpouring. Like it is actually so unfathomable how much rain was coming out of the sky. Like I didn't even know that that much rain existed. It wasn't like a cute little rain. No, it was torrential downpours. And she performed this entire show without making like any adjustments, which was insane. I was thinking actually before the show started, I was like, how is she going to do all of the things that I've seen her do through like social media of seeing clips from the concert? How is she going to do that in the pouring rain? Like how is like technically speaking, logistically speaking, how is that humanly possible? But they literally like waterproofed the entire state. It was 
actually the most insane thing I've ever seen. And as if the show itself isn't so incredibly impressive, like her athletic abilities of being able to perform for that long and do that many dance routines and just like live 35 different lives on stage within like four hours, doing it in that much rain was like so much more impressive. It was truly so insane. And, uh, it was just like the, I feel like because of the rain, the vibe, the general vibe in the stadium was like just so unreal. And that sounds like so cliche, but it really, it really was a, you had to be there moment. And ugh, it was, it was so insane. So some of my favorite songs that she performed, obviously I loved everything in lover. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big lover girl. So I loved everything in that era especially like Cruel Summer. It was just like, it's such a good way to start the show. And then um, one of my favorite eras that kind of surprised me because I wasn't sure how how I was going to feel about it, seeing it live was like Folklore and Evermore. I really, really liked those two. I was kind of like, those are more slow, kind of like sadder songs. I'm not sure how those are going to translate to like a concert where like Taylor Swift is super like poppy and like upbeat but those were oh so so cool the way that she she did those I was obsessed with the folklore set and I think it made me like folklore so much more honestly um she sang the one which was I was sad because she had started off the tour by singing invisible string which is one of my like all-time favorite taylor songs and then she switched it out for the one which is actually another one of my favorites from folklore so i couldn't really complain but i would have given anything to see her perform both of those and she did do the note change in the one which was like iconic and i was absolutely living for it so that was incredible loved folklore loved evermore loved reputation obviously like obviously are you kidding everything about that set is like so surreal um and then speak now I think she only sang one song from speak now question mark because it was before speak now Taylor's version so she sang enchanted maybe she sang one more song I can't remember but she sang enchanted and that for some reason was like one of my favorite moments in the concert because that's a song that like I don't, I don't know the way that everyone was just chanting that song was so beautiful truly um so loved that I also loved all too well 10 minute version like there's that again that was another song where it's just like every the fact that every single person in the stadium is singing 10 minutes of this song like it was it's just such a, it's such a, a beautiful, harmonious moment. And so, yeah, I liked all too well, 10 minute version. What else did we have? We had 1989, which was like good, obviously loved it, but I feel like 1989 is full of so many like hits, you know, that like everyone kind of knew them. And it's kind of like when you're a tried and true Swifty, you're like, I want, give me the deep cuts. You know what I mean? So that was fun. And then obviously ending with Midnight's is like so iconic and so good. Everything about that is so good, especially when she's saying Midnight Rain and it was legitimately pouring, pouring rain. Um, so insane. Our surprise songs were like not my favorite, but I, I think it's so stupid when people like 
base their entire concert experience on what their two surprise songs were because the rest of the show is literally so consistently insanely good. Um, But our surprise songs were Invisible from her debut album and then Question from Midnight's. So those were like fine. I was feeling lukewarm about them, but you can't, you truly cannot win them all. But all in all, it was like genuinely it has ruined other concerts for me. There is no one that does it like her. And I think a huge part of why she is so iconic is because of her stage presence and like just how good of a performer she is. I've never, ever seen anyone like come close to her in terms of what they bring to the stage. You know what I mean? It's oh so incredible. But then we left <laughs> for leaving. Um, that's when that is when shit hit the fan weather wise because it was it was like taking it I was more wet my entire body was more wet than when I take a shower like I can't explain it and I had been like pretty we had been dry up until that point but then we had to walk out of the stadium and obviously this time we didn't have umbrellas no one had umbrellas no one had umbrellas and also the vast majority of everyone who had been at the concert was already soaking wet from standing at the concert And then we have to walk out of the stadium and everyone has to walk back to their car. I fully thought I was going to get trench foot, like fully, like my, I was wearing sneakers. Thank God. I was wearing, um, like platform converse, which also should have theoretically helped that they were platform. No, my feet and like my socks were so wet, which is so unbearably disgusting. Also never, I never would wish this upon anyone to know what, dripping wet tool feels like against your skin or dripping wet sequin pants feel like they're just not nothing about that is comfortable at all and at this point it's obviously a lot cooler the temperature actually hadn't been that bad it definitely wasn't warm but it wasn't horrible um but then obviously at this point it's like hours and hours later the sun the sun that was really gone the entire day had set like it was it was chilly out now And everyone is just like stampeding essentially back to their car and like rushing out because they don't want to be in the rain anymore. And people were like trying to like go around the sidewalk so they could, you know, cut by everyone. And then they were like slipping on these muddy hills. It was, it was horrible. It's truly horrible. I got back to the car and I was like, I am just, I just like sat in like the same position the entire ride home because it was so uncomfortable. And then I got home and I had been wearing this like strapless bandeau bra that didn't, it didn't have like a clasp. It was just like you pull it on over your, over your head. And it was, <laughs> it was so drenched that I literally, like I was wrestling it off my body. I ended up just like taking a pair of scissors and simply cutting it off my body because I could not be bothered to try any harder. So that was great. And then I slept with my, my hair was this gigantic, like tangled mess from being like soaking wet, but I still had all of these like stick on rhinestones in my hair. So that was fun to kind of like pry those ones out the next day, but all in all amazing experience. And that was, she, when she posted, um, the shows from Gillette, she only posted our show, which was like so iconic. And she clearly just really loves a rain show. And Gillette Stadium was actually the first stadium that she had ever played at so she definitely has kind of a soft spot for Gillette which is why we all had thought that she was going to perform Long Live as a surprise song which is one of my 
all-time favorite Taylor Swift songs and I was really counting on that and then when that did not happen I was devastated and then you can imagine how devastated I was when she ended up just like adding that as a normal song to the tour later on that was <laughs> that was really really fun for me to be like oh okay awesome so I just kind of like missed that um but yeah all in all such an insane experience um anyways let's touch on the re-releases so I, out of Speak Now in 1989, I was definitely more so looking forward to 1989 to speak my truth. 1989 is really just like straight hits. It is bop after bop after bop. It's a no skip album, 100%. And I think it was actually funny over the summer, I started listening to 1989 when I would go for runs. And I like realized how like every single song on that album is a banger, which like obviously I knew all of the songs prior, but I hadn't really pieced together how like strong that album was. And so then I got really excited for when 1989 would be released. And so I think I just like all in all had more kind of hype for 1989 than I did Speak Now, but I was excited for Speak Now and I I think Speak Now was a great re-record, but it just wasn't my favorite 1989 and red are by far my favorite re-releases and I think I think red as a re-release is almost kind of in a league of its own something about just the general vibe around that re-release was so iconic and there was so much buzz and so much hype around red re-release specifically um and I think most of that was because of all too well 10 minute version and um then there was the short film and then there was really really great vault tracks from red and then the I bet you think about me music video which was also so iconic I just think she put so much effort into red as a re-release that it kind of like set the bar ungodly high for the rest of the re-releases um which to be fair my bar is set so ungodly high for reputation if I'm really speaking my truth I am at my core a reputation girly through and through um but I just think that like the energy around red Taylor's version was so it was so good and I don't think we can top that ever sadly um I was excited for Speak Now, but like I said, it wasn't, it's not one of my favorite albums, but 1989 was so excited for. My favorite of all tracks are, let's see. Um, honestly, I do love all of them. I think Say Don't Go is probably my favorite. Then Is It Over Now, Now That We Don't Talk. I really do like all of them though. Um, and they all really do fit the vibe of like the 1989 super like pop Taylor era which I love I am confused though and I'm curious what your thoughts are because I really thought that there was going to be more songs especially with the whole debacle of like the deluxe version because is anyone else finding it kind of like suspicious that the deluxe version is literally just one additional song that features Kendrick Lamar like that's confusing to me because that's not feeling deluxe one additional song and I feel like there were supposed to be more or there should be more, but I'm also confused because at this point, way too much time has gone by for her to be like, and surprise. So that's really confusing because I was expecting there to be a lot more songs that maybe had features on them and there just isn't. So that's just kind of like 
perpetually confused me because I really thought there was going to be more vault tracks because notoriously 1989 was an album that she wrote so many songs for. Uh, and I, lo- like I said, I love the ones that are out, but I was just kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop and for there to be some sort of big reveal that there was like more songs or that more people would be um, like, I, I I just like fall for all the rumors <laughs> that people start where they're like, Selena Gomez is going to be featured on this album. And it's just like, it just never happens, unfortunately. And I think it's sad. I do think it's actually really sad because then it's like, it's like, it's never enough. And that's really sad because that makes me feel bad for Taylor. <laughs> Not that Taylor Swift cares what I think, but it's just like, that's so sad that it's like, we're always expecting so much more. And it's like, she's, she's giving us a lot. You know what I mean? Like she's keeping us fed a hundred percent. And it's like, no, but there has to be more. And it's like, she's probably like, okay guys, but there isn't. Okay. So can you like, can't you just enjoy this? Can't we just be happy for half a second? And I totally, I hear her, honestly, I see where she's coming from. Um, now I do want to talk about Taylor and Travis because a, a lot of people had asked me to do that. And B, because this past weekend there was so much buzz around these two because he was obviously in Argentina at her show and he was in the tent with her dad and they were just so wholesome. Everything about this is so wholesome to me. I love it. I'm all for it. I have always been rooting for, I'm always rooting for her and if she's happy, that's amazing. I think that benefits society as a whole and I mean that with all seriousness I love this for her I think he's so different from everyone else that she's dated in obviously the best way possible and I just think that they're such an iconic couple they're both like absolute stars in their own respective fields and in their own way which I love um, because I feel like there's some some level of common ground in that even though It's like in totally different realms and on totally different scales. But I feel like that's probably probably something that's good for her. But ultimately, I'm just happy for her. I don't I always like catch myself whenever I'm talking about someone that she's dating, because I I think it's like so important to remember that like who she's dating is truly like the least interesting thing about her. And I feel like it's so sad that as a society it's like we that's what that's what gets people the most hype is like who they're dating and it's like these are fabulously successful people that we should be celebrating for so much more than just the fact that they're dating someone do you know what I mean and I feel like she's talked about that before because it's like it must be exhausting to be like I have worked so fucking hard for my career And all anyone cares about and the thing that's going to get me the most press time and time again is me dating someone. It's like there are, she's so much cooler than that, you know? So I really do try and like always come back to that, but I'm happy for her. I like them together. I've heard people say that they think it's PR and I implore those people to grow a brain. There's literally no way. There is no way that Taylor Swift needs PR or whatever just participate in a relationship to help someone else's PR that's not that's not adding up to me at all like who do you think she is is my question anyways let's get into some of your questions um okay first up we have tips for going to the heiress tour alone 
my tip would be just talk to people. Everyone is so friendly. Everyone, I've never felt safer. I'm like a claustrophobic person. I'm pretty agoraphobic. I don't like being with a lot. I don't like being in spaces with a lot of people. Never in my life have I felt safer in a gigantic crowded ass stadium than at the Eras Tour. Everyone is so nice. It's mostly, obviously, it's it's a pretty female dominated space, which <laughs> which naturally makes people feel better and safer. But I think once you kind of like find your seat and you're like waiting for the show to start, I feel like everyone around you would be wanting to talk to you. And especially like once the show starts, it's just like everyone's like scream. Everyone's in unison. Everyone is is just like there together. I don't think you would feel like you're alone at all. But I also feel like everyone is going to be very kind and very because it's like everyone there you share one common interest just like compliment someone on their outfit and be like what song are you most excited to hear what do you think the surprise songs are going to be just just start making some conversation but I think you'll have genuinely the best time of your life it is the best show ever so just like remember that it doesn't even matter it doesn't matter who you're there with it doesn't matter if you're there with no one it doesn't matter because you are there and you get to see this show and it will probably change your life okay um, if you could only listen to one of her songs forever and ever, which would it be? No. Like, and how dare you ask me that? Actually, how dare you ask me that? That is so foul of you. This is okay. I've always really struggled with this. And I think it's because of who Taylor Swift is as an artist. And you see this so clearly when you're watching the Eras tour, because the thing is, is there's so much range. She has so much range. Every Every era is so unique and it's so different and the sound is so different and the songs are so different. And so I've never been able to pick like one definitive Taylor Swift song that's my favorite because it's always changing and it's always evolving and you just go through phases in your life where certain songs are hitting hitting different a little bit. Not me referencing a Taylor Swift song, but you just go through like I went through a huge folklore phase in like July, August, September. And I just was listening to every single song on folklore on repeat. And I think it's impossible for me to pick one because I just, it constantly changes. And I definitely have some that are like my top, top songs ever. But generally speaking, it's just kind of like always, always rotating out, which is great. Um, And I think that's like the beauty of Taylor Swift is that you can have so many different favorite songs and they're all so different and they all speak to different times in your life or different things that you're going through. Like that's the beauty of it. Okay. Um, let us see. We have this person said, are you a gayler? Important for me to know, which is in case you're unaware, which I'm sure none of you are at this point, but there's like massive conspiracy theorists that think that Taylor Swift is gay and that she's dated like Carly Claus. And no, I do not believe this at all. And I also think that hyper speculating on someone's sexuality is so weird. If I'm speaking my truth, like that's so weird. And it's also so detrimental because even if that is her truth, she obviously doesn't want people to know that and she doesn't want it. She wants it to remain private. So like, why are you doing that? I just think that's, I think it's so odd. And again, it's like, who the fuck cares? Like, can we circle back to the fact that like who she dates is the least interesting thing about her? 
Also, she clearly literally loves men. Like, I don't know where you got this idea that she doesn't. Like, also, I think the prologue for 1989 Taylor's version was super telling. I'll just read it for you in case you haven't heard it. But um, it became clear to me that there was no such thing as casual dating or even having a male friend who you platonically hang out with. If I was seen with him, it was assumed I was sleeping with him. And so I swore off hanging out with guys, dating, flirting, or anything that could be weaponized against me by a culture that claimed to believe in liberating women, but consistently treated me with the harsh moral codes of the Victorian era, which is again why I like hate speculating and talking about who she's dating because it just like it really just like doesn't matter and it's such a no-win situation for her unfortunately which is like so sad being a consummate optimist I assumed I could fix this if I simply changed my behavior I swore off dating and decided to focus only on myself my music my growth and my female friendships if I only hung out with my female friends people couldn't sensationalize or sexualize that right I would learn later on that people could and people would like come on she wants you guys to shut up. Like it's so glaringly obvious. I just think it's, it's so, it's so warped and it's so weird. Uh, what is your spirit album? Like spirit animal? I don't know. LOL. Um, mine is for sure. Reputation. I just love, I literally love reputation so much. I love it so much. It is, it was kind of like a turning point for me as a Swifty where I was like, Oh, okay. She slaps. Like she can do this like she's because you had like the progression from like country to pop and then it's like reputation came out of nowhere and it's like oh my god you're insane I love it uh okay I also think reputation like as an era in time was so like powerful and inspiring and just it was so like revenge coded and I just kind of like loved that that she was like I literally I don't care what you think of me. Like I'm here and I'm going to like, whatever you say, I'm just going to make content. I'm going to make a song about it. So that's great. You just made me rich. That's like so slay of her. This person asked, do you think Swifties are too invested in Taylor's relationships? Yes. Yes, actually. That's so beautiful. Okay. Your top five favorite albums. Thank you so much for asking this. I have pretty definitively, I think personally in my head. Okay. And I don't, after reputation, the ranking gets a little bit, a little bit ambiguous for me. So this is just like my generally speaking top five reputation. Number one, I can pretty confidently say folklore and lover are like tied for number two for me. This is okay. I love midnights. And I think a lot of people are like afraid to say midnights is one of their top albums because it's so new, but I think I think it's Midnight's in 1989, if I'm speaking my truth. I'm pretty sure. As of right now, those are my those are my favorites. Okay, someone said my favorite song from my favorite albums. More than happy to do that one for you guys. We can, let's start with Reputation. Okay, I'm like pulling up. I'm pulling up the track list because picking an actual favorite is going to be impossible. I can't. No, I decided I can't actually. My Some of my favorites from reputation getaway car obviously call it what you want is probably one of my all-time favorite taylor swift songs and i know i've i know i've said that sixty-five thousand times in this episode that something is my favorite one of my favorite taylor swift songs but that is really truly i love that song um love delicate i just i think those are probably my top three those are probably my top three on this album 
Oh, that's crazy. I like have a stress rash just even like thinking about making a definitive selection. Folklore. I, I've talked about the fact that the last great American dynasty is like weirdly. It, I would not be surprised if it was my top listen to song this year, which is insane. But after seeing that song live, I was like, I love this song. I love it so much. But folklore, Mirrorball, obviously, that's pro- <laughs> that's that's definitely one of my top favorite songs. I can't even take myself seriously. Invisible String, obviously. And then probably August. I'd probably have to go August. Like close, <laughs> close seconds after me saying three songs that I love. Uh, this is me trying the last great American dynasty. I love Betty. Um, I love cardigan. I love, I literally love them all. I cannot pick lover. I'm scared. No, I'm scared. Obviously cruel summer. Obviously lover. Obviously the archer. Obviously death by a thousand cuts. I honestly really like false God too. I feel like that's such a slept on song. A lot of the songs that people hate, I love. I love It's Nice to Have a Friend. I think it's such a good song. Oh, I love Daylight. (laughs) Love Cornelia Street. I literally love all these songs. How dare you ask me to choose? Like I said earlier, Enchanted is one of my favorite songs. All Too Well, obviously. There's just like I cannot be asked to choose. And it's so rude that you're putting me in this position if I'm speaking my truth. Someone said, what are the top three most iconic Taylor songs? Now this one, this one I feel like I can answer because it's not my favorite. It's just like her most iconic. I would have to say Enchanted has to be one of her most iconic. It is such a good song. Oh, it is such a good song. I like, I'm getting goosebumps. I think Cruel Summer, one of her most iconic songs by far. And then I would probably say Don't Blame Me. I think those are some of the most iconic Taylor Swift songs and they're all very, very different, very different sounds, very different vibes. I would have to say those are probably her most iconic. Oh, it's so hard to choose. And I really, I think it is so hard to choose because they're all so incredibly different. Like that's what makes it so hard. Now I really wanted to touch on a couple people have asked, like, I like Taylor Swift and I would like want to understand the hype. Walk me through it. Or had said, how do I become a Swifty? Let me, thank you so much for asking. First of all, I think there's a few ways that you can kind of, you can kind of jumpstart how to quick start becoming a Swifty. Um, for me watching Miss Americana Netflix documentary, it will just, I think, give you a deeper appreciation for who Taylor Swift is as a person. As far as the music goes, I think literally maybe even take an online quiz, which Taylor Swift album am I? Because I think that's what's so hard is people listen to like her singles off of these albums. And those are not at all indicative of like what her music is. I don't think they, I don't think those are really showing you the range that she has. And because those are just, you know, like the poppy songs that people think will sell at the end of the day. And so I think, I think the biggest way to kind of get into it is to find an album that you love and just kind of like spiral (laughs) with all of those songs. And then I think once you 
really understand and appreciate one of the albums, you kind of like are like, wait, maybe I'll dip my toe in this one. And I feel like that's kind of how it starts for a lot of people. Um, if you really like the poppy songs, I would say like 1989 or um, Midnight's would be great. If you really, really, I mean, all of her, I think all of her albums have incredible songwriting skills and like just are, she's such a great storyteller but if that's something that you really value I would look at a folklore or an evermore um if you are like hopelessly in love right now beautiful go check out lover if you're feeling mad at the world a little bit reputation is absolutely the right album for you if um honestly a great album to listen to right now because it's like fall is red um I always associate red with like thanksgiving so it's a perfect time to be really appreciating that album. If you like more of like the country sound, go back to debut, go back to speak now. I think if you, once you find an album that you like and you, you have to start listening to the songs that you don't hear on the radio, I think that's where you start to really fall in love and you start to feel like, oh my God, there's just, once you hear a Taylor Swift song that feels like she is speaking to you and that she has literally lived your life you're like oh my god I need more of this and then I think you just kind of like expand because there's definitely there's definitely albums that like the first time I listened to I was like I'm not I'm not so sure about this like this just like isn't really my vibe and now I'm like this is iconic this everything's about this is iconic and I love these songs and I think you just gotta try you gotta try a few on for size but that would be my kind of like general recommendations um, according to what you what you like. Okay, someone asked when did I become a Swifty? And that I actually like cannot pinpoint exactly when. I loved I loved songs from Debut, Fearless, and Speak Now. I remember actually I remember I bought or my mom bought me the C D, the Speak Now C D from Target. And we came home and we listened to it in a radio like why does this sound like this why do I sound like I'm literally 95 years old we put it in this radio and we were listening to it and I remember my mom was like oh my mom loved the song speak now she thought it was so funny how Taylor's like she's dressed like a cupcake or something like my mom was eating it up and so I like vividly remember that era and then I think probably for me it was really red that made me obsessed I remember I that the year that red came out I was spending Thanksgiving on Martha's Vineyard which is like so random but I was there with like my extended family and the song that I like kept listening to was State of Grace which is <laughs> say it with me one of my all-time favorite Taylor Swift songs and I will forever associate that one specific song with that one specific Thanksgiving um, and I really really loved that whole album and I think that was also when I was like at an age I was probably I don't even know how old I was I was like a freshman in high school sophomore in high school um so I was still really young obviously but I at that point I was able to like really appreciate her as an artist instead of just being like oh these are fun songs that I hear on the radio and I remember I just remember loving Red and then I actually saw her in concert um for her Red tour and was obsessed loved her so much and then I think it just kind of blossomed from there I think 1989 was just like again banger after banger as I said and then reputation was a huge like turning point where I was like oh 
this bitch slaps so hard. Like she's so cool. And I remember when Lover, it wasn't even when Lover came out, but it was like the, it might've been the year after Lover or just like the months after Lover, but it was my senior year of college and I was perpetually kind of like in a depressive state, but I would listen to songs from Lover on my drive home from school, literally every single weekend. And that's when I remember being obsessed with Lover and just like, okay, these are also bops. I think Lover has some really good, really fun, upbeat songs that people don't talk about as much. Like, I Forgot That You Existed is such, it's such a bop. I love that song. Um, and then obviously Folklore Evermore during COVID. Those were just like insane, fun surprises. And then Midnight's, oh, I just like, I love... One of my favorite things about being a Swifty is just the sense of like camaraderie when something big is happening. Like that's so fun. It's so fun to bond with other people over music that you love and to, um, you know, have people do like deep dives on these songs and like explain it in a way that you didn't really even um, perceive the song. And like, I just think it's so fun. It's so, so fucking fun. And I think I've talked a lot about how this year has been big for embracing girlhood. Obviously, I talk about in the year of the Barbie movie and all of that. And I think a big part of being um, now 25 years old and still a Swifty is is really cool to like live through the re-releases and be like, oh my God, I was a literal child when these songs came out. And that's really fun to be like, and I still appreciate them as an adult and I still love them just as much as if not more as an adult um I think a big part of being a Swifty is just kind of like embracing girlhood and embracing that community and I think that that's so cool and it's so fun and it's just like it's such a great thing to kind of be a part of but that was like my very long-winded answer to that question I think I also knew I was a Swifty I forget when this was it must have been like in middle school at some point but you know the song I'd Lie, which fingers fucking crossed will be a vault track on debut because I thought it was going to be a vault track for Fearless. And then when it wasn't, I was like, "Mm, what the fuck? Literally, what the fuck? And then someone was like, no, it'll be for debut. And I was like, it literally better be. I remember, if you don't know what this song is, it was a song that for whatever reason didn't make the cut onto debut. And it's called I'd Lie. I love this song I don't I I had this indescribable love for this song and I had one of those apps on my iPod touch to like download songs from YouTube because it wasn't on Apple music it wasn't on iTunes I because I wasn't using Apple music then because it didn't exist I was using iTunes it wasn't on iTunes you couldn't buy it but for whatever reason there was like a bootleg version of it on YouTube and I listened to that song non-stop and I am like so excited for her to release that as a vault track which oh my god that's just gonna that'll be a huge game changer for me I'm not gonna lie um someone had also asked if I which um re-release I think is next obviously reputation I absolutely think that reputation is next I think Um, She's definitely going to end with debut because I think that'll be like a very full circle moment and she's all about the symbolism of it all. So I think she's going to end with debut, but there's obviously also a lot of speculation 
about whether or not she'll release a new album at some point like in between the re-releases or what because I had initially I had thought that she would do speak now re-release 1989 re-release new album then reputation then debut just to kind of like space everything out but I have a really hard time believing that she would release an album in the middle of this tour because I feel like that would be insane because first of all the concert itself like cannot get longer like there's literally no way that would be near impossible plus I just think that would mean that by the time she started the tour, she's released Speak Now, 1989, and then a whole new album. Like, that's just, there's so much. That is so much. But I would like to think that there is new music coming at some point, But because it makes me sad to also think that with, the tour doesn't wrap up now until, what, like, 2025? Like, that's so sad to think that we might not get another, like, brand new Taylor album until then. Like, that's not really okay with me. And it also seems insane for her to like, like it seems equally insane for her to end her tour and then be like, here's a new album. Because, you know, typically it's like, here's a new album. Now I'm going on tour. I go on tour, whatever. So I'm just, that's really intriguing to me because I've seen all the speculation that there's a new album coming out called Karma, which I mean, I would be obsessed with, obviously, but it's really hard to kind of imagine when a new Taylor album will be coming out. So that's kind of what my thoughts are on that. But I definitely think of the re-releases, Reputation's next, and then debut. And I feel like it makes a lot of sense for her to actually just release all the re-releases while she's on tour because these are, you know, eras that she's already performing on tour. So like that kind of makes way more sense to me than releasing a new album. But it also just makes me really kind of unbearably sad a little bit. Okay, we're going to end on this one, which is if you could pick one song from each album to hear live, which ones would you pick? This is, I'm excited for this one because I've obviously seen a lot of my favorite songs live. So to touch on the ones that I haven't seen live yet. All right, from debut, I would probably say Tim McGraw, I feel like. Yeah. Or I'd Lie. If I'd Lie is, becomes a ball track of debut, that's absolutely the one I would want to see live. For Fearless, I would... This is kind of niche, I feel like. But Other Side of the Door is one of my all-time favorite Fearless songs or The Way I Loved You. I know this is picking one. So if I had to pick one, The Other Side of the Door. Such a good song. So slept on. From Red, I would probably say State of Grace even though I, th- I probably did see that at the red tour, but I don't, re- I don't remember it. And I feel like I didn't appreciate it enough. So I would love to hear that song again for 1989. I would have to say clean a hundred percent, but also I think <laughs> I haven't seen new romantics or I know places in person. And I feel like both of those would be really, really fun, but clean is just like such a banger. Um, reputation, I think I have to go with Getaway Car. For Lover, I would say... Oh, this one's tricky. Probably Cornelia Street? Question mark? Me questioning everything because I'm, like, nervous. Folklore, have to say Mirrorball. Close Second is Invisible String. Evermore, I feel like she played a lot of my favorite songs from Evermore um, at the concert, but probably Gold Rush? Question mark? For Midnight's, absolutely, hands down, no questions asked, you're on your own, kid. I would give anything 
to hear this woman sing You're On Your Own Kid. That has to be hands down one of my all-time favorite Taylor Swift songs. I love that song. I love that song so much. Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining me on this fine Friday and for basking in our Swifty, Swifty dumb, Swift dumb together. I think this is so much fun and I love doing a hyper specific episode on Taylor Swift. As we all know, that's, that's definitely something that's right up my alley. So thank you so much for those of you who requested an episode like this and who wrote in with questions and I will chat with you in a few days. Bye.